Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA. This month, keep an eye out for the Raspberry Bikes Shandy and the Double Disco Southeast PA style double IPA. But don't forget, our official beer, the Pater IPA, is still available right now in Funk's tap rooms, but it won't be around much longer. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products must be 21 years or older to purchase please drink responsibly also bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season you'll always find the latest odds team matchup info player news and game trends at bet online and as your continued source for all sports wagering information bet online features live betting free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Pater is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com, and search Pater for our two t-shirts. One as the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black, and the other is a navy blue t-shirt. It has the Pater word mark over the heart, and on the back, circa the 2012 Penn State football season, it has Matt McGloin's name and number. It's very fitting, as this season of Nittany Lion football marks the 10-year anniversary of that team. Again, head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.bleav.com and search Pater for our two t-shirts. Thank you for tuning in on ESPN Radio State College as well as checking out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network. It is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Tune in and wherever else you get your podcast. And of course, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think of the show at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB11, and at Tom Hannafin. All right, Justin, Penn State has beaten Rutgers for the 16th consecutive time, 55-10. to 10, And what was, I guess you can say, a complete game in a way, right? You know, you score on the offense. Oh, you score on special teams. You score defensively. I mean, really was an impressive performance. Katron Allen, Nick Singleton continue to develop. They both look very good. Singleton with that, that return. I'm not comparing him to Saquon Barkley, but almost similar, you know, uh, to that Ohio State game a few years ago where, where Saquon, Saquon took the opening kickoff back. So just, just kind of the running style there on it reminded me uh, a little bit of him. Early on in the game, you know, I, I thought Rutgers looked pretty decent as well. I thought Wimsett did some nice things. I think Wimsett has a chance moving forward. I really do. I think he's a good athlete. Um, I think he's somebody that throws the football very well. Um, you know, he, he can be creative. He just needs to continue to develop. And for Rutgers' sake, I hope he's the guy there because Rutgers needs a quarterback. Defensively, it's a good football team, but when you can't do much offensively, I don't care how good you are as a defense, you're going to break. But Greg Schiano, he's a good coach. He's right for the job there. I think moving forward, 
if Rutgers can continue to develop and, and Wimsack can be the guy, um, you know, I, I think Rutgers could be a middle of the pack Big Ten team moving forward. But Justin, just real quick for you, overall thoughts on this game. I mean, I think it was a dominating performance. When you look at it, was a Penn State football, right? We talk about the returns, scoring on defense, running the ball with physicality, fast on fast on defense, right? We talk about Abdul Carter and all those guys running around, making plays on the back end. But I, I just loved, I mean, even with um, with Sean, with Sean Clifford, you know, just going out there, you know, real crafty vet and just showing his athletic ability. I don't think many people know. I heard the announcers on the on the stand on the on the TV saying comparing him to a dual threat quarterback. And I'm like, I don't know if you guys know, he ran four or five when he was coming out of high school. So he was a pretty fast athlete. And he showed that a little bit today. And um, yeah, just the progression of these backs as true freshmen, it's very impressive. Even Alor as well, running the ball a few times. Now, a oh, few times, like You've seen him get in there and it was like, he was much more athletic than I even assumed he was going to be. Big, long strides. But a few times I was like, yo, careful. Be careful. What, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> Big target. Big target. Be careful. <laughs> what are we doing here? Be careful. But I want to start before we get to the offensive side of the ball and, you know, Drew talk about Drew, Sean, and the rest of that pack. I, I want to start on the defensive side. When you look at it, just from this whole entire defensive perspective, what are your thoughts? I mean, you have to be encouraged and just very confident when they step on the field, just based on the speed, the length, and everything in the back end. I mean, just the physicality that they play with. I think you just see them playing a lot of diverse defenses with Manny calling it, uh, you know, bringing four, dropping different guys, bringing five different ways, and really confusing up front people, but just having athletes to really just close the gaps. When we talk about football being a game of angles and numbers, they have a lot of length and speed that kind of close those things down that helps out. Um, on their playmaking ability and getting to the football, right? Even on the play that Marquise flipped uh, the receiver and the next guy comes in on the second hit before he hits the ground, cause a fumble and puts points on the board. And that's that's big. Same thing with um, with uh, Tig on uh, the the uh, sack, yeah. scooping score yeah. for another touchdown. That's just getting to the football, like we talk about closing closing the air out of the out of the um, offensive players and and making plays at the end of the day. How hard is that to do? Go to the football because you hear like even as an offensive guy and as a quarterback, that's all I heard. For, anywhere I've been, though, go to the ball, go to the ball, go to the ball, and I feel like you do it time and time again, and nothing ever happens. But it's well, that one time you go to the ball, you get your opportunity to make a big play. And it's interesting because they're getting to the ball and they're getting those second hits on him, right? On defense, when we talk about getting to the ball, we always talk about those second hits. Whether it's I know Steve Spagnuolo on. Uh, in the NFL, always talk about errors through snow. So we just have on defense, like, it seems like Manny has the guys running through uh, offensive players like that, where you just take the outside shade and just kind of run and not really breaking down. And you just get the, the whole thing is get into the ball because when that happens, whether they cut back or anything like that, the op- offensive player stops, tries to cut back from a defender going, and next thing you know, you're getting hit or you hit them and they stay up and the second person gets the next hit. So it's like another form of like pursuing the football. So they just kind of different additives on defense and just the mentality of how they play, just that attack style. And you see fumbles occur, interceptions and things of that nature. And obviously they have the athletes to kind of back it up to make special things happen. One of the positional groups defensively, at least, that I think was a concern for some people early in the year, for me at least, as I've, as I've watched this, and, I, and I've done my best to watch this positional group as close as I can because you want, you want to see the development. Are we being – encouraged by how these guys are developing throughout the year, especially some of the younger guys of King Curtis Jacobs, Abdul Carter. I mean, how, when you watch these guys, how good has this linebacker group become 
And I mean, how about, and I know one can't, guy can't do it all, but I feel like this guy can maybe be as close to, you know, doing a lot by himself at the linebacker spot as one could. But but how how good and how about the development of Abdulfa? I mean, it's it's impressive, right? I, re- I recruited Michael Parsons when he came up. So I seen him from high school and when he stepped on campus and from his freshman year and just, you know, Michael was a, a freak of nature athlete. He worked hard. He was he was a hustle guy. He was physical and silent, silent. And Abdul Carter was he's like they're they're splitting image of one another. I would give the net the nudge actually to Abdul of just the physicality in which he plays like between the tackle just head on head making plays and his closing speed I mean obviously Micah's super fast freak but like Abdul Carter has he has certain instincts at a young age that you don't see in the middle of the field that's like a it's it's an instinctual thing that's outside of the measurables and he has the measurables as well so like it's a very impressive thing to see at that age right I think I think of Someone like a Navarro Bowman had those type of measurables, but he wasn't 6'3", 245 either, right? So you start adding those things to it. And, you know, I put Sean and uh, Paul Buzlesny and all those different guys had that type of, those type of instincts at an early age mixed in with the physicality. You're just creating a dynamic type of linebacker that comes around once in every, once every 10 years. It just seems that they always come to Penn State. What's the next step? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right? And they get, I said that on the last, I said on the preview episode, I'm like, when you give this kid 11, like, like, I don't know what he thought about it, but for everyone else, it's kind of like, yo, like, yeah. all right, bud, like they're telling us something. They're telling you something. You got to be that guy. And I, I mean, I, I love the way they have brought him along because you didn't see him that much early in the season, but you can see him getting more and more comfortable. But when he knows what he's doing, you're wowed. Right. You're, you're wowed by it. Um, what's the next step for him? What do you want to see this last game for him? What do you want to see him get better at throughout bowl season? And how does he become not just uh, an all big 10 linebacker? How does he take the next step to become an all American linebacker? I mean, I think he's doing, he's making those steps every week to go into that all American type status, right? When you're talking about those splash plays, the sacks, when we have in uh, highlight plays, not almost like those athletic plays that aren't, um, like just TFLs that are very impressive, right? We're just closing the gap to the quarterback, just elite athleticism where he's the youngest person on the field already, right? So like the things that happens when that just progresses as a sophomore and things of that nature, you're dropping into coverage and just probably baiting the quarterback into the pass game a little bit more, making plays in that area. I think that's when you see that next progression on his game, but he's 10 years ahead of the curve for where he's supposed to be at as a freshman linebacker now. You know what? And with that, that that front seven for me in general has really stood out over the past couple of weeks. Like with the ability to pressure Talia last week, keep him in the pocket, move him off his mark. He looked comfortable. And look at what he did today against Ohio State. Right. They had a chance to win that football game. Obviously, they came up short. They had Michigan on the ropes earlier in the year. I, I was nervous about that game a week ago, knowing what Talia was capable of doing. But from the first snap, man, that that defensive line efforts, they were all over him. Um, they shut down his escape ability, um, you know, and his ability to create. Wimsat, for me, is he can – I don't know. Again, you know, we don't know what the future holds for any of these guys that are developing and getting better. I don't right. know if he become the he can become the passer that Talia is. 
but he can be a very good passer. He can be more dangerous with his legs than I think Talia is. But they shut that down today, this front seven. Even look at the run game, 35 carries at 32 yards. Right. Like, I feel like the play of this front seven the past couple of weeks has been incredible. Like, like not saying it was bad, but it's like this flip has switched with this group of guys. Right. Where does yeah. that come from? I mean, I think they had, I mean, there was a little bit of injuries early in the season when Michigan was gutting them. I think uh, Chop wasn't playing. Uh, and there was another defensive lineman, I think, at the time that wasn't uh, active. I, mean, I think it was an injury. I just can't remember who it was. But I remember them getting back, and I remember thinking that nosebleed kind of sealed up pretty pretty swiftly. And just playing gap sound football is what you see throughout the throughout the times. And I just, again, I like how Manny sends four and five from different areas and kind of the way that the guys play in just terms of filling the gaps and just playing sound football. And again, we talked about earlier numbers and angles with the speed and athleticism that they have on the defense. And they're always in attack mode. <laughs> yeah. If Lester's quarterbacks, it closes down run, uh, the run game pretty quick when you do that. So you know, I think funny. that's what you're seeing on a week to week basis. And especially when you're only sending four to five guys, the back end is covering. There's nowhere really to go with the ball. Yeah. But they're, they're getting there fast. And like, it's funny for me now that I get to sit there and watch it. But if I was like an opposing offensive line or running back, trying to help out in protection or quarterback, I'd be thinking to myself, I'm like, yo, I, I don't know who is a linebacker, who is a safety. Like all of these guys are flying around the field. Like I know their numbers, but this guy is playing, this guy's as fast as a safety. You know what I mean? Like he disguises things really well, but I mean, all these guys can run. You talked about the speed and athleticism, um, and it's there, and there's depth there. I want to ask you about Johnny Dixon. Interception today. He's somebody that, I mean, I was definitely concerned with a little bit in the secondary early in the season, but he has proven me wrong. I feel like he's proven a lot of people wrong with the way he's progressed and developed. And with a guy like Joey Porter Jr. out now, in my opinion, probably for – you know, the rest of the season, who can fill that void in the secondary moving forward and become that next big Penn State defensive back? You got Johnny Dixon, then you have Marquise Wilson, right? Any Anytime that you have a player with the athleticism that can play uh, in the Big Ten on both sides of the football is is pretty impressive. You got Daquan Hardy, and obviously you got the one of the best by the analytics, you know, Kaitlin King covering on the other side. So we're talking about stepping up. The other guy, number two, moving up to the number one spot is pretty good. But I think Johnny Dixon coming out of Tampa Bay, going to South Carolina, transfer, transferring over, he's always been a athletic, playmaking uh, type of corner. And, you know, with those type of guys, sometimes, you know, they give up some some passes every once in a while. And that's kind of what we saw a little bit when he first got in there. But now getting settled in, making plays, that's the risk reward that you get with that those type of players. And I think he has the ability to play consistently better as he gets fixed in at Penn State and uh, working in on that aspect. But I think that group, just the secondary in general, we talk about Zachy Wheatley and all these guys across the back end are just very impressive. Keaton's playing a high level uh, game right now, you know, just consistent across the board. And it's, when you do that, you can just, it opens up the flexibility of the defense, which we're, I think, seeing across the board. Well, how hard is that for a guy in the secondary, whether you're playing safety, corner, you're playing nickel, you're playing dime? How hard is that for a guy when, look, you're in a new environment or you're getting real minutes for the first time? You're also dealing with a new coach and a new coordinator. Is it something where you're comfortable at times, you're uncomfortable at times? You know, so you're a little hesitant. Is it just like, does it click one day or is it something over time where you're slowly, slowly starting to see progress and it's just like, okay. I got it now. I'm good. I can play full speed. 
That's interesting that you say that. I think it's um, it depends on the de- type of defense that you play. I think when you get those single high uh, single high defenses where it's like cover three or quarters all the time, and you just kind of you're manning up and you're seeing the same type of looks. But when you're playing like a zone blitz type defense that Manny Diaz kind of throws at them, there's a level of like picking your plays and when to make your plays, right? Because there's just you're always in different coverages, whether you're playing a quarter half or you're trapping coverage and playing press man or whatever the case may be, finding those times when you're comfortable to make those plays. I think that's what's different in the in the defense that Penn State plays now. And I think you just see the dichotomy that comes, whether it's weak side blitzes and guys like nickels and things of that dropping out. Because there's a lot of position flexibility when you look at the back end. You see Marquise going inside. You see Daquan Hardy going inside, outside. Uh, I mean, Zaki Wheatley, he's a corner safety type of guy. Like those position flexibility, those guys that have position flexibility is just extremely valuable to a defensive coordinator. I think that's what we're seeing. All the time now. Yeah, is that like I, I I go back and forth on that sometimes. Like, and, and obviously, you, you know, you would know better than anybody else. Like, is that a comfort thing for some guys, or is it like, listen, I want to play corner, I just want to play corner, or is it like I can play safety, I can play corner, you can bump me it's inside. A, it, it, it's a different position. I will say that being on uh being on an island in the corner versus being insulated in the inside nickel is a completely different feeling, right? Because like when you're inside nickel, you have to breathe the other side of the other side of the um, formation, whether someone's coming across, you're just more of a cerebral player where it's more instinctual. Sometimes on the outside, it's just man to man, mano a mano, whether it's this guy's running a slant corner post, whatever the case may be, and you're not insulated. So it's a different, it's a different psyche that you have to play more, I would say more instinctual football players are in the insides. And then you're just got your, ath- I'm not saying just your athletes, but your athletes. And just, we talk about those, uh, the numbers and angles and things of that nature on the outside, right? We talk about big receivers, long corners like Joey, I mean, playing the deep balls, playing comebacks and things of that nature. But it's definitely a different position. So that's why I think it's rare that you have so many guys that can do both. Yeah. 32 guys registered tackles today for Penn State's defense, <laughs> which was, uh, I mean, that's crazy to me to be able to see that. And it's not the first time we've seen north of 20 guys contribute and make plays for this football program. I remember early in the year, um, you know, Manny Diaz and, and James, they were talking about they want to get at least 22 guys on the defensive side of the ball reps, which yeah. – I mean, for you, for you, and you know how this for for you to trust twenty two guys to go out there and say run our defense, understand what we want for you. We trust you in real minutes to make plays for us. I mean, it's just it's incredible for me when I look at that. To you know, to to, that's something that's something very unique in terms of roster management that James and his staff, I think, Coach Franklin and his staff, has always done, which was get a lot of depth activated, right? Whether it's playing corners and rotating them, they were doing that since. Uh, Grant Haley and Christian Campbell and uh, Marnie Warway were there. And it was, you know, when scouts would come in, they would ask, like, is something wrong? Like, why aren't these guys playing all like, like the whole, the whole series where they get advantaged was they didn't know who was the true number one was. And it's like, no, like this is a philosophy on building talent and depth. So when the guys are coming up, you know, new transfer portal guys are leaving earlier and things of that nature. So having your depth ready to go, is, is a competitive advantage, especially, you know, when you're playing top teams like Michigan, Ohio State, guys get hurt and guys have to be ready to step up and play at a high level now. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And that's last defensive question here that I want to switch on is the offensive side of the ball. You know, when, when when you look at this defense, how fast Manny Diaz has been able to implement his style of play, how well his guys have adjusted to it, you can't help but now but think about it. And after – 
you know, knowing what Michigan State is and how they're struggling this year, they get beat by Indiana today. Knowing Penn State will be favored heavily in that game, but we've talked about it actually for the last couple of episodes. How it's okay to look for, to the future. How long do you think Manny Diaz is going to be at Penn State here as a defensive coordinator? Does he want to be a head coach again? You have to think he'll get that opportunity again soon. No, man, he's up for the uh, Bruce Ward, and yeah, uh, it seems like he's been a head coach. Uh, he has like a head coach demeanor, obviously making an instant impact coming here. Penn State and James's reputation for guys coming in and going and get a head coaching job has been extremely high, right? I think he's up to like seven now. That's crazy. Go through it, but it's like six or seven guys that have come through the program and become head coaches. So I, I would I would bet odds that he gets an opportunity to become a head coach. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see. I mean, guy, he he he's done such a fantastic job this year, you know, and, and arguably one of the better defenses in all of America. He's been able Absolutely. to put together and just loads of talent on that uh, on that defensive side of the ball for Penn State. You know, switching gears and looking at this offense and what they were able to do today. You know, Sean Clifford seventeen to twenty six for buck fifty seven and a touchdown, and for me, that's fine. That's fine. In a game like this, when you're scoring on special teams, defense is scoring, it's your job as quarterback to take care of the football. Right. Find completions, move the ball up and down the field, take care of it. Know what you're up against in a team like Rutgers, Justin, and say, find completions. We're going to run it well. We're going to march, sustain drives. Let this be a complete balanced attack and a complete team win. You know, I, I think Sean did what he had to do today. And I know some people are probably waiting for Drew Allar, you know, to get in that game. And, and again, Drew, Drew made it, Drew made some nice throws out there, 5 of 10, 42 yards. Uh, you know, but, you know, we talk about it every week, Justin. You can just see – you see the arm strength. You see the talent. You see what lies ahead for this, for this Penn State football program moving forward. In your opinion, when – you know, do you got – like – as a defender and as a second guy in the secondary, do you look at stuff like that and be like, well, this guy does this well, but he doesn't do this well. I can take advantage of this or I can take advantage of that. But knowing you have a guy like Alar that can run a little bit, has size, has strength, has the big arm, you think to yourself, I need to be very careful what I'm doing here in the back end. Absolutely. I mean, anybody that can, anybody that has arm talent that can fit the ball in there, you have to make sure – you're covering and plastering throughout the field, right? The ones that can make time in the backfield that can move around and not necessarily a dual threat that needs to run, but just to be able to create time and in the pocket, to be honest, are the ones that are really scary. You know, like playing guys like Aaron Rodgers when they're not really looking to run or take off, but just giving (laughs) the receivers more time that you have to plaster. Like those are the ones that are extremely hard. And then when they make good decisions, I think the quarterbacks that make great decisions are the hardest ones to defend because the ones that, uh, kind of get out there and sling it around. Yeah, they'll throw you one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing moving forward. Like everything is there for Drew Allen. Size, strength, the ability to escape when he has to, um the arm strength, the accuracy. He's the ability to throw on the run. Right? We've seen that a couple of times out of him this year. Decision making, timing, accuracy, consistency, and trust. For me, those are the five things right there that you need to be a successful quarterback. If you could do all five of those things, Justin, you have a chance. You have a chance of being very good. You have a chance of playing for for what could be a very long time, right? Um, That's what he needs to do next, right? Understand the game, become a student of the game. Understand defenses, understand moments, situations, right? Get a feel for the game. Throw with anticipation. How good's your timing? Three step, five step, three and a hitch, five and a hitch. 
you know, you see it less and less now, but I came from systems where you go from, you do, you run shallow across your seven steps under center, you know, in a hitch, you know, which again, you don't see that that much anymore. Um, and accuracy, continuing to work on footwork, understanding where you're throwing, setting a target line, right? I was big on, and I learned this kind of later in my career, Justin, I was big on setting a target line, right? Every time I want to throw the football, I want to act like I'm throwing the football straight because that's when I can be accurate. So I have to work my feet in my drop. If I'm throwing left side, I'm still throwing left, but my body is straight. Right. If, I'm, if I'm throwing right, right, I'm working my feet back. I'm getting that back foot set and I'm throwing straight, but I'm still throwing the right side, right? Things like that can, uh, you know, again, decision-making time accuracy, consistency, you know, can you do it every day? Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball. Every fan is covered. Head over to their website, smackapparel.com, and use the promo code PAYDIRT at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. This month is No Shave November, so visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com all month long. You can get a free beard comb with any purchase of $25 or more. Just use the promo code FREECOMB. That's F-R-E-E-C-O-M-B. Also, a reminder, use our promo code PAYDIRT15, that's PAYDIRT15, at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. And that's what, and I think it comes down to what you say, like, well, just a matter of him getting the snap count up, right? Like, and him getting his snaps, just a, a, a real serious critical factor for quarterbacks in general in college, I think, is overlooked is the amount of snaps that they get under center where you can see the predictive to success in the, at the next level. I mean, with the whole birth of all these different leagues, that's the driving force that they're going to the table with is like, hey, there's a, there's a gap in the quarterback development, and this is what we can do for the league. So, like, that's what we're saying whether it's at the XFL, the USFL, and different things of that nature because of the snap count and the predictive measure of success that that presents. So I think the more snaps that Drew Aller can get, and I think the staff has done a good job in terms of roster management and getting him his snaps in there in the second half, right, and, start, and still trying to win games with Cliff and win the 10 games and get to a January um, first bowl. But uh, yeah. I think just getting the snap count up will be tremendous for him. And, and, and next week, you have to assume he'll have a chance to play once again. But this bull practice is going to be huge for him. Huge. Huge. These are going to be, this is going to be a crucial time for me. Like, Sean, and it depends on, you know, what bowl game you're in, who you're playing, things like that. Not saying it's not important as well, but you want to give Sean a lot of rest as well. You know, see what you have moving forward. I would give Alar a ton of reps throughout this bull practice season here. And, you know, one of the things I was big on, was anytime I was, you know, in a throwing session, Justin, or working out or anything like that, I, I would always take a majority of my snaps from under center. Footwork from under center, working play action from under center. Shotgun was easy. That's yeah. easy footwork. That's easy. Work under center. 
You cannot do enough of working from under center as a quarterback, right? That's the footwork. That's crucial. That, that like the ability to play under center just creates so many options for you as an offense. And oh, before I move on, trust is the last thing that I mentioned earlier. Can we trust you to do it every single day? Can we trust you as a leader? Can we trust you as a quarterback? Can we trust you to walk into that huddle every single play and have 10 sets of eyes looking at you and knowing that this is the guy to lead us moving forward? Um, but I mentioned that running game and being under center. How, you, we're question with the with, with the uh, under the center. How many quarterbacks are doing that nowadays? With in just preparation with the quarterbacks in the seven on seven, being always from the shotgun. Because like that's a great that's a great point. That is your footwork. It, it, <laughs> it is. It all. It's, it's, it just doesn't matter. It's the same thing. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like it's because it, 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 I was always a, a, a balanced guy. Like I never have right foot forward, left foot forward, anything like right. that. You know, under center I was balanced. Even in the shotgun I was balanced, and I still believe in being balanced. Because you're like a hockey goalie back then, right? You never know when it's coming, but there's going to be a bad snap eventually. Exactly. High, low, left, right. So you, you got to be ready for anything. You have to be playing defense in a way. Always prepare for the ball. Um, you know, and I never liked the staggered stance or anything like that. I always felt awkward doing that. But it's the same thing under center, right? I, I was big on that. But with these two running backs, if you can begin to play more under center as an offense here, imagine these guys getting the football downhill. Right. Right. Not not all the time where shotgun stands and then they're coming from a stationary position to get the football and then they're going. I mean, I understand for a younger guy, it may be beneficial because it's given them a second to see where the cut needs to be or, or where this line is set up a block for him. But if you can get these two guys going downhill in the future, I mean, gosh, it, 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 it's the, the possibilities for these two guys are limitless. They might be the best one two punch in America right now. I think that's easy to say that they're the best one-two punch in America, probably right now, just in terms of their their running style, because they have very mature running styles for college running backs, right? I would say like they get downhill, their zero to five ability is in the top echelon at this point. And you see a lot of times where young running backs where they tiptoe, they're reading too much, they're probably thinking too much about uh, like scanning for protection and things of that nature. And like you said, when they get the ball, they get downhill, especially Catron Allen, and I mean not especially, but both of them. Yeah. <laughs> They're both aggressive downhill runners, right? Like uh, Nick Sunkinson might have a little bit more home run ability, but from that zero to five, even the run that Catron Allen broke, like that's some nifty veteran style running in between the tackles that you just can't can't take for granted. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's like an elite skill. On that run he broke, he got to the outside and I'm watching, I'm going, go, go. Ah, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. He didn't he have the sixth gear to, to just he, shift it. He <laughs> didn't have it. I was like, ah, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. But that's what makes this group so special is the consistency yeah. of a guy like Katron. 11 carries for 117 yards and a touchdown averaging just north of 10 and a half yards per carry in today's game. Like, he can do that every single week. But like you look at Singleton, returns a kick, nine carries, 62 yards, just south of seven yards a carry. But like at any point in time, he can go for a buck 70 because he can, fourth and one, he can score from 40 yards out and a touchdown for you. Like it's the home run threat. It's the constant threat of knowing Nick Singleton is faster and better than everybody in the stadium. But it's also knowing that Catron Allen's going to fall forward for 40 yards. Right, it's impressive, and I just you, you just you can't help but think of what the future holds for this team, what the future holds for this offense. But one of the concerns I have moving forward, Justin, is the wide receiver position. Oof. Right, like the offensive line has continuing to improve. You have to think that team's going to continue to get better and be better moving into twenty twenty three. Again, we mentioned the running backs and what the potential in the future looks like for them. 
Drew Allar, somebody who's going to be able to make all the throws for you, should be able to make all the throws for you moving forward. But I look at this wide receiver group. Mitchell Tinsley leads the way today, five catches, 63 yards. Parker Washington out. Moving forward, what else is, is it? Harris, could, could Harrison Wallace be the guy? Omari Evans? For me, they're just it, Lambert Smith. Like For me, there just hasn't been enough this year for me to say he is the next guy for you. I think that's an accurate statement. I don't think anyone has separated themselves from the pack like uh, Mr. Washington has, right? And I mean, I think you start to lean much onto the the tight ends at this point, uh, the yep. tight ends and the running backs, because at the you talk about just a pass threat, I think it goes to the tight ends, whether you're talking at, you know, uh, 86 or um, Theo. Um, yeah, Theo like Johnson, Brent Strange, Tyler Warren with the touchdown catch today. Yeah, and that is, I mean, that's what they, that seems like that's the route that they've gone, right? Tinsley, Washington, then we'll just go right to the tight ends here moving forward. You're going to lose Tinsley, right? Does Washington go? Does he come back? We don't know yet. Do you go to the portal? I think you have to. I think you have to go to the portal at this time. I mean, you're talking about receivers where there are, there, there are receivers in the in America that are out there, right, that maybe not have put up 800 yards or it might be disgruntled, but I think you can find receivers out there uh in the portal but i think that's a that's a definite concern for penn state just in having that one play guy on the outside it's a i mean we've seen it when we had kj or when we had days uh hamilton it's just that go-to receiver that can make a play i mean that's what kept us in the game when we played ohio state when you can have um parker washington going back to back with uh marvin harrison jr right making plays breaking tackles and going 70 like those type of things are extremely critical in college football and not to have it is is hard especially when you have two good running backs opening up a little bit because eventually people are going to start putting people uh eight in the box and really making them earn their mustard on a, on a weekly basis here's yeah and, and that's my concern as well because like tinsley did is about as well as he should have done this year he'll he'll finish the year north of 500 yards he'll have over 40 catches he's got four touchdowns right now you know but like if you expected him to come in this year and have 1,400 yards like he did a season ago, it's completely unfair to ask of that kid to do right. that. He has done, as a, as a transfer kid, he has done everything and more this year. Like the, the, it, Because he didn't have to be the number one guy. Right. Parker, We knew Parker Washington was the number one guy. We knew how talented this tight end room was. So for him to be just that extra piece – he has played that role perfectly. But mm-hmm. my, my again, my concern is that if Tinsley's gone, if Washington decides to leave, how do you find a number one guy? How do you find that guy? Do you ask another guy from that comes in from a school like Tinsley to say, well, we need you to do what you did that last year. We need you to do it again this year. We understand you've only been here for a few months to learn this offense the way things work, but you got to do it for us. I think that's tough to ask. I really do. So, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, how they handle the wide receiver position moving forward. Um, who knows? Do, do they have a Marvin Harrison Jr. that'll go for over 200 yards in a bowl game? That's, Remains to be seen. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, now you said the bowl game practices, not the bowl game, yeah, the bowl game, spring game practices, like we like to say. We'll see if they have any young freshmen or young receivers that can step up and fill that void because there's an opportunity there. And I think they've been doing a good job recruiting on the outside uh, coming up. So, I mean, young receivers and things of that nature have an opportunity to shine. 
But yeah, I do think though there are some receivers out there when you ask them to come in and you have like a Drew Aller, and depending on how the uh, offense opens up, you have two running backs like that that can kind of create some opportunity with a safety blanket with some tight ends. It could be a, a different situation than the situation coming into this year. You said it perfectly. Like, if you're a wide receiver and you're looking to leave, <laughs> we got a quarterback for you. We have two fantastic running backs for you. It's a, it's a pretty good sell. Absolutely is. <laughs> All right, as Penn State heads into the last week of the season here, Michigan State, like, they should be heavily favored in this game, Justin, but – it's always a tough game for for some reason that Michigan State game. What should James uh, James's message be heading into this last week? I mean, it has to. I mean, we have to. Fo- I think you have to focus on the ten games. Uh, I think this is, it's, it's like critical to get to that ten game uh, point and and finishing out strong. I think they're what like coming into the season to not be ranked and to finish where they are now and just have some perspective of what they have in that locker room. Like kind of what we said moving forward, there was a lot of question marks, whether it's the young players that were coming in this year, some of the secondary players, the young, the young freshmen. I mean, they hadn't, they didn't have had a hundred yard uh, rushing game. And I don't know how long right. until these two guys came. So like with just those different things, being encouraged about where they're going and put that last bit on film moving forward. So those guys, we talk about the play count and, and having depth. So next year they're stepping off and getting to the bowl game that they're hitting the ground running. I think that's, kind of the message moving forward. Yeah, you know, I think I, I think one of these things, it's okay for Penn State, it's okay for James to take a quick look back on this season and kind of say, here's what we did really well this year. Guys, look at what we've done thus far throughout these these nine wins right here. Here are some of the things we, we struggled with, you know, against Ohio State, uh, against Michigan. Here's how we've corrected them. You know, that we know this is going to be a difficult game moving forward. Ten games is to win ten games in the Big Ten. It's not an easy thing to do. Now, we're not okay with losing to Michigan. We're not okay with losing to Ohio State. But we've taken care, you know, the teams we've had to take care uh, take care of. You know, we've won these football games. Um, I think this message needs to be whatever it's been over the past two weeks or so. <laughs> you know, play to our standard. Right. What is the Penn State standard? It doesn't matter what Maryland was going to do. We're going to win this football game. It didn't matter what Rutgers was going to do today. Penn State was going to win this football game. It needs to be the same thing for next Saturday. It doesn't matter what Michigan State is going to do or going to try to do. If we play to our standard, if we play to our game, we should win this football game. And my, and while we're on the topic, while we're looking back, somebody throughout this season that has stood out to you, that's kind of almost been unexpected. Does anybody stand out? Unexpected? Uh I want to say unexpected, both sides of the ball. I mean, obviously, Abdul Carter being a freshman, that's probably the most unexpected. I think is shout out to Kalen King. I think him playing at a high level, that sticky coverage, that is extremely hard to do, especially playing on the opposite side of a first-round corner, right? So that means people are targeting you and to have a, a coverage grade in the 90s throughout mm-hmm. the year. As, as, that's pretty impressive. So I, w- I would say the level that he played at is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, he's done a great job. And it's kind of one of those things, too, like defensive side of the ball. You, you, you have you know, eight, nine guys battling for time back there. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so for you to be making plays, if you for you to be able to stand out, you know, the way he has, the way Johnny Dixon has, um, you know, obviously take Brown. You know, I, I mean, they're, you know, they're going to miss that guy when, when he moves on Absolutely. after this season. Um, you know, Daquan Hardy. 
Um, yeah. you, know, you can go on and on with these guys who have made plays. Um, it's just a really impressive football team. Um, you know, I look on the offensive side of the ball. I, look, obviously the young guys have stood out, um, but that's expected out of those two. Big recruits heading into the year. Um, those guys are expected to play well week in and week out and expect to continue to get better and better and better. You know, I, I think for me, you know, I, I think – I'm not surprised at the way Tinsley has played because I think that was almost expected in a way, you know, for him to be right around where he is to finish with 500 north of 500 yards or so, which, which, you know, he needs another 48 yards to, to break 500, but that's a fantastic year for him. I, I think to be honest with you, I've been most impressed with this tight end group. That's that's um, true. Now I know, look, you know, I, I've gotten on them a few times over the past couple of weeks or so about blocking, the inability to block there. If you want to be an all-around tight end, you got to be able to block. That's what those guys need to be able to get better at is blocking, believing in the run game, taking pride in the run game. Right? I understand everybody wants to be this wide receiving tight end, but you got to be able to block too. But again, but with that you know being said, I will give them credit. These are athletic guys, all three of them can make plays for you in the pass game and they've done that. Um you know, and especially with the way this wide receiver group is with Washington and Tinsley, and then the tight ends right after that, a lot has fallen out of those guys to make plays for them in the past game, week in and week out. So, you know, I think that's the group that has stood out to me. They've done a fantastic job this shout year. Out to the, shout um, out to the Aces. I would definitely say that a lot. I would I would agree with that sentiment. The most unexpected group I would definitely say is the Aces, the tight ends. <laughs> well, there we go. Penn State has beaten Rutgers for the 16th consecutive time 55 to 10 Nittany Lions are now nine and two they'll take on Michigan State next Saturday in the final game of the regular season as they do their best to get to the 10 and two record um you know this this 2022 season Justin man it's always been a pleasure we love having you on the show we love your insight man and uh hope to have you back soon uh, thanks for having me on enjoyed it Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN Radio State College this Friday, November 18th, at a special start time of 1 p.m. Eastern to 2 p.m. Eastern. We will return to our normal schedule on Monday, November 21st. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB11, and at Tom Hannafin. Paydirt is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Paydirt. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.